Welcome to Lady T Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Tamika, bringing you stories of triumph and inspiration. Today's guest is the City Commissioner of Philadelphia. Please welcome Omar Sabir. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you uh, for having me and on your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate that. Hey, anytime. Again, it's always uh, refreshing uh, to hear younger people talk and discuss uh, politics and discuss uh, civic engagement. That's phenomenal. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, so first, we have a few things going on in the country. You know, there's the Black Lives Matter movement. There's protesters that are being killed in the midst of everything, the coronavirus. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So I just would like, you know, for you to share with our listeners your intake on the current political climate and, you know, what your thoughts are about that. It's very sad to see that uh, protesters are being, there were reports of them being killed, uh, from what I understand. And, and it's a shame, you know, that we live in uh, a democracy where you have freedom of speech. And if you come out and exercise uh, your voice, that you would be criticized or hurt. Again, that's a, um, that's a blockage to our First Amendment rights. And we, we had a freedom of speech, and that's what makes America different than any other uh, countries. Uh, people that are out protesting, again, I'd like to encourage you to keep on protesting. Uh, keep on speaking up for the things that you want, the things that you need in your community. You have to keep on, uh, keep on pushing. You have to find something that's inside of you that can keep you pushing and going across the finish line. And there might be obstacles that may come in your way, but never, ever stop advocating for your community and the resources and the change that you want to see in your community. Powerful words. Let's transition to speak about what exactly does the job entail for a city commissioner? Okay, so the city commissioners are a three-member bipartisan board of elected officials. And we handle all the election functions in Philadelphia County. And we're bound by uh, local, state, and federal laws. Uh, we, uh, we administer the elections, the voter registration. And so it's a year-round uh, job. Uh, there's two elections every year. There's a general election, and then there's a primary election. And we count up all the votes. We make decisions. We purchase uh, new voting machines. We purchase new machines to sort a vote by mail. Whenever there's anything in regards to do uh, with elections in Philadelphia County, we handle it. And again, it's a three-member bipartisan board. Uh, you have two Democrats, one Republican, and we make our decisions as a board, and we uh, determine what's going to happen in our elections in Philadelphia. Are you able to share with us your plans for the voting process this year, given there's so much craziness going on with they're sending us mail-in ballots. They're taking away the, the mailboxes, you know, it's just a lot of craziness surrounding the voter and how to vote and ways that people can vote. So can you clarify that for us? Sure. The first thing, it's always good to 
make sure that you receive your information from trusted, credible messengers. If anybody just flapping off at the mouth, giving out misinformation, and what's happening, you know, people listen to that. That may not be true. A lot of times they may pass it on and everything else, and then you have a big confusion. And uh, the fact remains that places like Philadelphia County, places all across the country, America has been known around the world to produce uh, honest, open, fair, and free elections. Were there a few mistakes? Are there instances of fraud? And some people may make the claim, yes, we're human beings. We're not perfect. But it's about a 99.9% chance, even more when you add on like the 0.9999. It's almost like a one in a million shot that, you know, that someone will uh, do uh, some sort of fraud. And almost all of those instances, the people were prosecuted. And again, so just to clarify, you know, that we have uh, safe elections. You have the option to vote by mail. You have the option to vote in person as well. If you don't trust the mail system or you don't want to vote by mail, you're more than welcome to vote in person. We plan on uh, having, uh, we're working hard to open up uh, 800 polling locations. In your typical pre-COVID environment, you had 831 locations. Working on uh, getting 800 locations open. In addition to the vote by mail, so we're actually running a uh, hybrid sort of election where you get maybe half in mail, half in person. We're trying our best to do uh, the best job that we can do with the resources uh, that we have. We want maximum turnout. We want maximum accuracy. And we want an ASAP. So we're working uh, hard. We acquired additional space, uh, 125,000 square feet over at uh, the Pennsylvania Convention Center. Oh, nice. We will have our mail sorters. We'll have our mail, uh, our vote by mail scanners. We'll be able to social uh, distance even more. And we look forward to the acquisition. And we, we feel uh, great that we're going to uh, deliver the type of election that our citizens deserve. One thing we want to also uh, highlight as well is that we want to let our citizens know that you, you have the power. With all the confusion that's going on, people saying things like, you know, your vote don't count. And, and I know sometimes, you know, we have feelings that we aren't significant or that we cannot achieve the American dream. But we can. Uh, voting is a way how you advocate for your community. Policymakers will not know what your priorities are if you don't attend the polls. That's the way how you let your elected officials know what it is, what you want, or how you view uh, this democracy uh, to be ran. Absolutely. So what do you say to people who I've heard in passing, friends even, some people feel like, why should I vote? I don't like either candidate. What would you say to people who have that mentality? Well, I would say uh, that voting is a larger picture than just two candidates for president. A president runs uh, every four years. And we have some constituents that only vote during the presidential years. But you have so many different elections that are crucial to your community. You have uh, ballot questions. It's initiative that's on every election cycle. 
So even if you don't like neither one of the candidates, you can either vote yes or no uh, to these ballot uh, questions. And a ballot question is a question that's asking the voters, do you want to make this change? Do you want to, uh, should the city borrow money, uh, yes or no? Or should the city open up a commission? And one of the ballot questions that we see this year is should there be a commission uh, that's set up to give uh, police oversight? And this has to ask uh, the it's asking the voters, and when it has, if it passes, then you can amend the city charter. So elections are very important. And a lot of people don't understand that when people decide who get resources, they look at the people that's voting. Policymakers look at money. Policymakers uh, look at votes. And typically, if there is a, a frequent ballot behavior, and that means that people in a specific area tends to vote, then they're going to give them the resources first, and they're going to be more accountable to those people first. And again, it's bigger than just a candidate picking a candidate, okay? It's, it's more broad of a scope. So again, you can look at these ballot questions, or if you want to put a change in the law that you want to put on the ballot, you can initiate and put that ballot on a question, and put that question on the ballot, and then, you know, the voters of a specific county or across the state, you know, they can vote on it. You know, that's what democracy is. And then also, we examine the data. The more poor you are, you're typically not going to vote. If you live in a better income, because if you feel like life is going good for you, then you must feel like, you know, that you have a piece of the American dream. But one of the things that Dr. King uh, spoke about was that he said, even if we haven't reached full emancipation, that we can take advantage of the freedoms that we already have. You can exercise your right to vote. If you're in a bad situation, that should be more of an incentive for you to vote because policymakers, people that don't live in your neighborhoods, don't live in your communities, don't know what schools uh, you're talking about, that they might not be desirable for you, but they're not gonna know it if you are advocating. So it's a cold, concerted effort. Protests mixed in with policy, mixed in with participation, voter participation. And we have to keep the pressure ongoing. We have to keep talking to the community, engaging the community on what these policies are. And then when someone wants to become a governor, someone wants to become attorney general, someone wants to become president or a Supreme Court judge or anything, they're going to want to ask what your opinion is. And why? Because you vote, you're voters, you represent a specific message or a mission, and then people will see these messages and missions, and they will move everything forward, and these guys will support you on things that, uh, that you want. But it all starts at the ballot booth. It starts with you out protesting. It starts with you moving forward and making something happen. No one is going to give you anything. No one out the kindness of their heart is going to uh, change uh, their mind in regards with the treatment of the people that you typically see in your community. You have to step up, you have to step up big, and you have to force the mandate that you want in your community. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for going into detail about the election process, because I think a lot of people don't understand. Like you said, it's just more than you picking a Democrat or Republican 
as a candidate, it's, there's other things that you can focus on, especially if you don't like the candidate. So it's still important to vote. And so thank you for reiterating that. And then plus, I mean, and then you don't have to get locked into, you know, a Republican, you know, or a Democrat. You know, we saw a councilwoman, Kendra Brooks, uh, being elected to city council, and she was uh, on the Working Families Party. There's a Green Party out there, you know, so we must wrap our our heads around uh, a specific idea, an agenda. And then once I think that we have this idea or this agenda, then it make it easier for one, for policymakers to look and see, okay, here's what they want. But in order to make here's what they want uh, mean something to be significant, it all depends on what we do uh, at the polling booth. I mean, that's power. And I think, you know, sometimes we take that power for granted. Uh, you know, you figure, yeah, you know, you figure somebody like Octavius Conroe, Meckers Evers, Dr. Martin Luther King, and a slew of just many people who were sacrificed, uh, who are harassed, who are maimed, who had experienced emotional uh, trauma from just from voting. There was countless churches uh, that were burned down to the ground just from registering uh, people to vote. It's a long story. And I think the story is still being written, but it's very important uh, that black and brown people participate in the process. The numbers don't look great. And with gentrification going on, increased taxes, and all these different things that are making people uh, more poor or poor schools, you have to get to that voting booth and speak out against the things that you don't like to see in your community. That way they can let the policymakers know. You know, and of course, there's policymakers that look like you and I. I live in Philadelphia, but if someone is up in Harrisburg uh, advocating for you or in Washington, D.C., advocating for you, or, you know, the Jeff Bezos of the world and the Mark Zuckerberg of the world advocating for your community, acting and being in resources, you have to stand up uh, for yourself. You have to dig deep down with the resources that you are given uh, by God, and you have to move forward and be that change that you want to see in your neighborhoods. Absolutely. So really quick, I just want to also highlight your community activism, how you definitely encourage people to vote. You teach people about the impact of voter suppression. I also want to make sure that people know that you've been honored by the Ducky Birch Foundation and the former Congressman Robert Brady had recognized you for your achievements in Vote Philly Vote. And you also received the Lucian E. Blackwell Guiding Light of the Community Award. So I just would like, tell us a little bit about your background, how you grew up, what was like for you, and how did you become to be the city commissioner of Philadelphia? Okay, so I was uh, born and raised in Philadelphia. Two parents, home, working class, you know, mother and father, uh, worked every day. My father, God rest his soul, was a union official. Uh, for the laborers. Uh, so he, he moved up in the ranks. Uh, my mother, she was a uh, secretary, and then uh, she switched uh, careers. She had to end up going back to school uh, with a house full of children. I was the youngest, and she switched gears, went back to school at nighttime, was working in the daytime. During her whole career around, she ended up being a, um, a registered nurse, retired. Now, politics wasn't never on my preview. I mean, it was never on my preview. Being going to college was never, I never, I didn't want to go to college. I went to Bach High School. 
Uh, so I thought I wanted to be a tradesperson. I wanted to be uh, a carpenter. That was my dream job, you know, in high school. And then I ran it past my father. My father said, eh, carpenter school, you know, we're laborers. You know, you might want to think, just try to think larger. I'm not knocking what you're doing. You always could do it. I'm just, he was just always saying, you know, why not something different? And so I played football for Bach. I was an all-city football player. And I said, well, hey, maybe I could, you know, maybe try to get to the NFL. Time went on. I had a dark spot in high school. And I just like, yeah, you know, from the new responsibility of possibly leaving school and that transition, I was like, yeah, you know what? I just want to be a carpenter. Forget NFL. Forget all of this. And then August. And I forget, August of the year of 1997, a recruiter from Cheney University called me and said, hey, bro, the name is Brother Anthony. He said, look, he said, I still got the application. We got a summer program. We're about to get started in two weeks. I want to know, do you want to go? And I gave him every excuse in the book. Man, I don't know, man. I'm scared, man. I ain't no college kid, man. I just, I just finished. I just basically made it through high school. I'm going to go to college, man. I'm just ready to, you know, work. I'm just ready to get a job. He said, I'll tell you something, brother. He said, if you want to go to college, you can go to college. Got your application right here. What do you want to do? And uh, I went there. I played, played football uh, for a year. And then I had to make a decision between, you know, pursuing football, but that was like another job, or concentrating on my grades. And I concentrated on my grades, graduated uh, from college with a B uh, plus average. And again, I'm like a C student. I always had the potential, you know, but I ended up uh, with graduating from honors from Cheney University. And then I started teaching in the community. And I guess that's just how I started. There was a state representative named Louise Williams Bishop. I volunteered on her campaign. She had a younger person running against her. And I was her driver. I said, well, she, you know, she wanted some younger people on her campaign. I was her driver. And that uh, started everything. That was my first political experience, being a driver. And being a driver in politics, that's like one of the best jobs you ever can have. A lot of people might think, okay, a driver. Well, you know, what's that? It's just like, you know, a driver, a gopher. What is that? That's not. But when you're a driver, you actually have access to that elected official and you also have access to who that elected official is meeting so you're meeting different people and then those people that you're interacting with they look at you in a different light because they want that elected official to be there at a certain time and if you can get that elected official there now you have made friends and you know we, we ended up uh building relationship, coalition building. And then we started on voter registration, uh, trying to get more people involved. And then I got approached to run for traffic court judge. And Philadelphia used to have a traffic court. In Pennsylvania, most of the judges are called magistrate judges, where it's a non-attorney uh, that hear uh, the majority of the cases, they're magistrate judges. In Philly, a little different, you know, we have a municipal court uh, where you have uh, attorneys or members of the bar to be judges. And so they basically do the same thing as the magistrate judges. We got elected for traffic court judge. And then when we got elected for judge, we won the first place. And the first time in the history of Pennsylvania politics, we saw the state legislator come and just get rid of the courts and they got rid of the election. I mean, that had to have been one of the most gross examples of 
voter suppression in our history. And I was at a very low point in my life at that point. And I ran for, ran for office, I did everything fair and square, came in first place, and in the day, uh, I couldn't get seated. So at that point, I was just, who's a topic in the barbershops, we'll go to barbershops, people say, hey man, that's the reason why I don't vote. See what happened, I voted for you, then Leslie came, got rid of that position, there's something tricky going on, they're never gonna listen to us. And even in my mind, I was still thinking in my head, like, you know what? Oh my, you so stupid, man. Why would you ever think that you, somebody like you could ever be involved in politics? These are the feelings that I had, you know, because the political landscape was a little different back then. You know, my name is Omar Kareem Sabir. I'm Muslim, which is actually, uh, that's an Islamic name. I mean, we have Muslims in politics, but you don't have that name. And I was the first, you know, one of the first judges ever elected in Pennsylvania, some of the few across the country, you know, it was devastating. But as I talked to a lot of my constituents who were still looking at me, saying all that hype news stuff about, you know, voting and democracy and what you doing, man, we're going to get them again, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, kind of got me back in. And I was still doing constituent services for people, uh, still, uh, you know, working. And then State Senator Vincent Hughes, he called me, me and him bonded. And I was working with him for six years. And then we was working on a uh, ton of like uh, voting rights projects with him. Uh, voter registration laws, new updates, new changes, trying to make a voting accessible for more people. And then the city commissioner job opened up. And then um, you know, we ran, we became successful. Uh, again, we was number one. Every race that I ever won, I was number one. But I take pride in that. So we're here. Again, it's like, it's a blur because it's like we're picking up right where I believe that I left off at in 2013. And it's interesting because people are saying things like, oh, well, you know, the commissioner never was a national attention to the office, which I'm grateful to say, you know, we are receiving uh, national attention. Uh, we were featured on The Circus, which is on Showtime. Uh, we were featured on 60 Minutes. We were featured earlier today on, on MSNBC. There was a segment. So there's national attention being brought on by the election. But as also as well as some of the work they worked on when I went traded for the world. Uh, it's a bit it's time consuming. You know, I'm married. I have six children. My oldest child is uh, 10 years old. My youngest is eight months right now. Wow, wow. All children, all in between. You know, they stare stuff. So it's, you know, between the pandemic, homeschooling. So it's a bit challenging. But again, you know, every time uh, my children see me on TV, they understand, you know, when dad is not here, he's working for the constituents of Philadelphia. Absolutely. And I so greatly appreciate your service. Um, I just wanted to make sure the listeners are aware. You were elected to city commissioner in November, but you took office this past January 2020. So you are jumping in there and you're running and you're you're doing great. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, just the first, it's my very first uh, general election. We did a primary, but that's my first, you know, election. And um, again, COVID-19 presents its challenges, uh, but again, it's, it's sort of like a blessing because it's forcing us to be uh, creative and come up with different how we can uh, be successful. You know, nobody can walk up to you and say, hey, young boy, you know, we've been doing this for 30 years. We've known this for four years. We've known this for 20 years. You know, do it this way. It's like they actually suggested, oh, man, what do you think? 
Should we do it this way? Sure, because we all because we did it this way before, but you know we can't do it this way due to COVID. So I mean, it's it's a blessing, and again, uh, it's challenging, but again, we will be successful. I believe. Absolutely, I believe it too. Okay, so where can people find you? Stay in touch with you. It's, it's awesome that you're so involved in this voter process, and I really want people to be able to find you on social media. And I mean, you're a man in the community. I've seen you in the community, so you're very present. Just where can people find you? Okay, so people can go to uh, Omar O M A R four. F O R Philly. Omar or Philly. That's my Instagram handle. Twitter. I'm at Omar the number four for Philly. I'm on LinkedIn. We're also on Facebook as well. And our personal website is PhiladelphiaVotes.com. And I can't stress how important it is for you to go to PhiladelphiaVotes.com. You can find out where your phone location is. You can check uh, your voter registration on there. Uh, you can find out, you know, our latest uh, election results. I mean, this is down on my website. And again, with all the different updates that are happening, because, you know, uh, we're facing uh, lawsuits. We're facing a lot of stuff in regards with the city commissioner's office right now. So, again, these latest updates, you can just check our website and you will receive them. And also, you always can call our office at 215-686-3462, 215-686-3462. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any issues, you have any concerns, or you have any suggestions, we would love to hear public input uh, from the community. We would love to see what's going on, what's on the minds of our constituents. And again, you know, let us know what type of cool ideas that you may have. Let us know. And we'll see can we uh, implement them. Uh, some kind of way. So all of the links to Mr. Sabir's uh, social media and the phone number will be included on the description of this episode on the website at www.ladytspeaks.com. Once again, I want to thank you so much, Mr. Sabir, for coming on to the show today and giving us very, very, very pertinent and important information about the voter process. Sure, anytime. And you are listening to Lady T Speaks. Mm-hmm.